You're listening to the Brand Interrupted Podcast, a space dedicated to inspire, teach, and heal through the power of story, resilience, and vulnerability. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brittany Hammond, filmmaker, producer, brand story strategist, and the founder of Untamed Productions. Each week, I'll be bringing to you guest entrepreneurs, artists, authors, speakers, and influencers in a series of real, raw, and unfiltered conversations around the art and business of being yourself, the bravery to share your message, and the audacity to go after what you want in life. Today, we have such a special guest, Sarah Bird. Her and I met back in the spring while doing a mastermind together, and we just immediately clicked and hit it off and basically became biz besties <laughs> overnight. So we have yet to meet in person, but I know we will soon one day. So when Sarah stopped investing in herself and taking advice left, right, and center from various coaches, something magical happened her business and life started to take off. In five months, she went from living out of her car to getting her dream job, launching not only a podcast, a magazine, but also a photography business. But this isn't one of those stories where we gloss over the details and add a cherry on top. This is a very tactful and tasteful conversation all about tuning out the marketing messages in the coaching industry that make us feel inadequate or question what we truly desire in life. Listening to your intuition and understanding your limits and knowing how to set boundaries. Sarah Bird is a mindfulness and spirituality mentor steeped in world wisdom traditions. She is trained in and practices Shambhala Buddhism and I'm going to botch this, <laughs> Varana lineage. Sarah holds degrees in both religious studies and transpersonal psychology. She is the founder of Hello Lovely Life, the host of the Charming Dharma podcast, and the producer and editor of Basic Goodness magazine. In her spare time, she studies Sanskrit and runs a photography business in Boulder, Colorado. And side note, Sarah and I had a joke because she's like, I don't really have any spare time. And honestly, I got to say, this girl is on I don't even know how she does it, and I'm so freaking excited to bring her on the show today. But before we do that, before we dive in, I just wanted to let you guys know that this podcast is sponsored by Untamed Productions. That's me. (laughs) And this episode brings to you, or is brought to you, by my Audaciously You on Camera three-part video series, giving you the step-by-step on how to tell your story, master your energy, Infuse your personality and boost your charisma on camera. So this is a three-part video series that you can access for free just as a gift for listening to this podcast. So head over to www.untamedrevolution.com forward slash gift to access that video series now. And without further ado, let's get started with our guest. Hey guys, welcome back to the Brand Interrupted Show. I I'm, I can't even put in words how excited I am to have Sarah Bird back on the show. We had previously recorded an episode, but it didn't work out. And so we're back and better than ever. So <laughs> thanks so much for being here. <laughs> you know, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. 
So the first thing I wanted to, when I was thinking of like how to introduce you, I was like, what is the one word that comes to me when I think of you? And I feel like when I think of Sarah Bird, I feel like you fully embody unapologetically being yourself. And I just think even from like when I knew you back in the spring, you always were so bold and outspoken and just seemed to have these like really strong boundaries and like sense of inner knowing. And I feel like we're so similar, similar in the sense that we're both like, we work really hard. We do the work. If you give us a homework assignment, we're going to do it. If you tell us to meditate with crystals, we're going to go buy 10 crystals (laughs) and meditate and we're going to do the work. And I know similar to me, you had sort of some road bumps along the way and frustrations of not seeing the results, even after putting in all this work. So why don't you give us like a little, a little glimpse of where you were back then and where you are today? Yeah. Well, thanks for the compliment. It's funny because when you say you saw me as like bold and outspoken, it's funny because I, uh, I find myself quite like sure of myself. Sure. But not like out outspoken and out there. So it's funny that that's how I'm perceived. Um, because I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just, and I'm certainly extroverted. Um, but I, I find myself, uh, I guess I'm, I still believe that I'm like, haven't fully come into my own and, but I have though. And that's the point of me being on the show. And this is what we're going to talk about is how I came from this place of feeling so deeply insecure about who I was so deeply, so deeply believed that I was broken somehow and that everybody else had made it except me. I was the only one who hadn't made it, whatever made it meant. There's different, uh, different metrics of success. And, um, so, but I also focus on mindfulness and spirituality. That's really my, um, my, area of specialty and my backgrounds in Buddhism. So I have this whole like gentleness piece. So I love hearing a different perspective from what we think, who we think we are. Um, so yeah, I have spent the past couple years building a business and a brand, and it has certainly taken different forms, um, throughout the years. In fact, my first idea of having a business was in like December, 2013, excuse me, And this is before I entered the coaching industry and well before I had discovered a lot of people that I then followed. And the idea came around because I wanted to teach a local class on Buddhism in a very evangelical part of America. I was living in Fort Worth, Texas, and I was probably the only Buddhist for, you know, the surrounding hundred miles. (laughs) So I wanted to teach a class on Buddhism uh, because that's what my degree is in. And I started this little class called Charming Dharma and had put posters up around town and invited people in the first class. I don't know, maybe five people came. And then the next like five classes, zero people came. So (laughs) it wasn't very successful and I didn't know what I was doing. And, and now I, and then I, I went into the coaching industry and I um, got trained as a life coach. And then I started a, I had a radio show. I used to live, um, I live in America now, but I used to live overseas in England. I had a radio show when I was there and that was called Charming Dharma. I just kind of kept the name. And now I have this podcast called Charming Dharma and I have a magazine and a life coaching business and a photography business. 
Um, so it's kind of taken on all these different forms and it's funny to see how it's been blossomed, how it's blossomed through the years. And my actual uh, parent company is called Hello Lovely Life. So that's where I started my coaching. And I would just, you know, when I first started, it, even till now, to some extent, I just have this belief that like, everybody, everybody else has got it. Everybody else has made it. And I'm somehow still behind and I somehow still don't have the key. And I think this is a common feeling, especially in, in the coaching industry. I'm sure you have listeners outside of the coaching industry as well, but especially in this field of entrepreneurship, that until you've got the Bentleys and the Rolls Royces and you've got the private jets and whatever, you somehow haven't made it. So I, I felt that way very strongly to the point where I almost couldn't like function and in being a business owner, I almost couldn't run things. And I held my, I hold myself, like you mentioned, I hold myself to really high standards. I'm pretty type A and I'm a Capricorn. So it's just like a perfect storm for <laughs> being a perfectionist and, and feeling like I'm constantly a failure um, because of these really high standards. And so what I've come to is that I've, I've finally landed in this place um, for the past few months where, or really the last six months or so, where I feel like I've brought in this greater sense of gentleness around myself that I don't have to say, you know, in, until I have this huge team and I'm making millions in the bank and I've got all of these, um, you know, billions of Instagram followers and whatever, all these typical standards of metrics of success that I still somehow am like able to shine my light and I'm able to make an impact on the world and I'm able to, um, I'm able to fulfill my purpose in a meaningful way, even if I'm not a celebrity. So it's been a pretty big shift um, here recently. And I, I feel really good about that. I love that you talk about this missing piece. Cause that's one of the questions that I even catch myself still asking. I'm like, what am I missing? Like I've done it all. I've done the coaching. I've done this. I've done a double master's degree. I'm like wow. the Facebook ads. I'm like, what is the mother effing missing piece? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think similar to me, while well, I'll let you speak of your own experience, but first of all, I, I, I had to stop asking myself that question because there actually was no missing piece. Right. That was like my first error is like, it's like, you're not broken. Like yes. you don't have the same path as everyone else. Like everyone else has their own journey, their own karma, their own lessons to learn. So you have to like not compare your like path to someone else's because it's just, they're not going to be the same. But I'm curious to know, obviously there was like some big shifts that went down in the spring, like early summer. How did you fill that gap between what you perceived as the missing piece and how did you enter into that greater sense of gentleness? Yeah, I think what you're touching on here is, is the answer to that question, which is, you know, in my training in the entrepreneurship uh, industry, which that can take on a lot of different forms, but there really is this sense, I think, this like pervasive idea that we all want the same thing, that we all want to be a celebrity, that we all want to have the Bentley, that we all want to have the, you know, 15 bedroom mansion that we all want to be able to travel freely and have our own time, right? Like we, there's these ideas kind of out there that is saying, this is what you want. And if you follow this path, you can have it. Mm -hmm. And the truth is we are all multidimensional beings 
And we all want different things for different reasons. Like you said, we all have different karma, even different, um, different starting points, different psychological states. Like we all have different histories. And I feel like the, um, this idea that it's almost like fitting, everybody wants to fit in the same box. Mm. And the big shift for me was recognizing that actually I'm quite different than this ideal model role of what it means to be a successful entrepreneur. I have a very different um, set of goals. I have a very different um, understanding of myself and of the world, as do I think all people, whether we acknowledge it or not, right? And so I finally said, um, I got to a point where I said, okay, I'm, I, I've hired and hired and hired people. And this is what we're, what we're preached, right? This is what we're taught and what we're told. If you hire me, I'll, I'll give you that missing piece. I have the missing piece. And if you buy my package, buy my program, go through my whatever, then I'll give you the support you need to build your dream life. That looks like this one, you know, cookie cutter lifestyle. And I finally, I was actually, um, I've worked with many coaches um, and many entrepreneurial uh, guides and leaders, and that's certainly been very valuable in many ways. And I've learned a lot and I've grown a lot. And, you know, no entrepreneur in the world is, doesn't recognize that the um, journey of starting and owning and creating a successful business is an inner journey. Mm -hmm. And so these folks that I hired, they helped me on that inner journey and kind of kickstarted all of it. Um, but that wasn't the missing link that I needed. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what I've been told is like, if you buy my package, if you buy my program, if you work with me, then I'll help you find it. And I finally got to a point where it was like, okay, one, I'm draining my, my finances. I don't have the money for this because coaches can be quite expensive. Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every month. And it was like, well, my business hadn't taken off yet for me to even be able to afford that. And so it really was, uh, it was um, reckless financially. And uh, that's not really named a lot in this industry. There's a lot of financial recklessness and, and a lot of shame around that if you're responsible with your, with your money. And so, you know, it's, if you don't buy this, you're not going for your dreams. You have to do what it's take. You've got to be willing to take the risk and go for it. And if you don't, then you, you're not, you're giving up on your dreams. And that's just so not true. It was really reckless. And and actually it guided me further away from my dreams because I couldn't afford to eat or have a place to stay. I mean, I haven't really mentioned this to many people, but I was living in my car earlier this year. Like I was not in a good situation and that sure as hell wasn't my dreams. dreams, living in my car. Um, and so I finally came to a point where I was like, okay, well I can't, I'm, I'm drain, I'm sucking the life out of myself. I'm draining myself. So let me just stop and face the shame that I've been told I'll have if I stop investing in my coaches. Because we've been told this idea that if you invest in coaching, you're investing in your dreams. And if you stop investing in coaching, then you've stopped investing in your dreams. And I finally said, well, if my dreams are literally about to kill me because I can't survive, let me stop investing in them. Like I'll, I'll take the shame. And what I found was that as soon as I did that, I had this like, ah, this breathing room, this like spaciousness that I hadn't had in years and I certainly hadn't had at all in my entrepreneurial journey 
which allowed me to one, get really clear about what I wanted to do, get really clear about what I was passionate about rather than what people told me to be passionate about. And then it also afforded me literally financially, like afforded me time and energy and uh, the ability to invest back into my own business rather than paying somebody else. Yeah. So this is the turning point that I came into my own. This was it. And I was when I stopped investing in the coaching industry, oddly enough. And what has happened since then is I have been able to, I, I've had a magazine that I've wanted to create for years. Uh, Brittany, you're about to be featured in the upcoming issue. I'm really excited <laughs> about. Um, just got an article coming up, so take a look at it. And uh, I created this podcast, this Charming Dharma podcast. I restarted my radio show. I started a photography business that I've always wanted to do that's taken off. I've already gotten, you know, a portfolio built up of clients that I've worked with um, all in just a couple months. And I realized that, you know, I actually don't want to do coaching. I actually, not even as a recipient, but I actually don't want to be a coach. I don't enjoy it. I'd much rather have classes and have self-study products and like be a teacher, but the, like the coaching and the one-on-one coaching, the missing link was that I was working towards something that I didn't want to do. Oh my God. I've totally, that was like, I've had such a similar breakthrough. Like I haven't actually even really fully told you about it. I mean, you might've got a sense of it from my social media, but I want to just like highlight two things here because we've obviously talked about this, but over the summer, that was like the number one thing I noticed. I was like, Oh my God. Like I was like, who is Sarah working with? Like everything is taking off for her. Like just (laughs) watching myself. (laughs) That's who I'm working with myself. (laughs) Yeah. the second thing I wanted to highlight is, you know, it's sort of like that double-edged sword of marketing um, is that we, it's like we tell people what they're supposed to think and believe and want and desire when it's, it's a lot of it. I mean, it's, and I'm a little bit in, I'm in messaging, right? So I know yeah. all about this. And a lot of the times it leaves people feeling inadequate and like, I know we worked with like one of the same coaches and back in the day, We've worked with a couple of the same coaches. That's true. We've had two that we've worked with together. But there's one in particular. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I didn't aspire, I mean, to get like, you know, to give you like a quick glimpse. Like when I started my business, I was right out of my master's degree. I was 24 years old and I didn't aspire to earn five or $10,000 a month, but I was being told that this was the standard. And it's like, I didn't, I didn't even know what I would do with that much money. And then I would guilt myself because I'm like, well, I'm working hard and I'm doing this. And why am I not making 5K, 10K, 20K a month? And it's like, well, because I don't really want to. Yeah. I need that, all that money. But there's no permission to not want what we're told to want. There's no, nobody has permission to say, actually, I don't want all that stuff. I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't want to live like the Kardashians. I don't want to own a Porsche. Like, and, and if people do, that's totally fine. Like we all dream, right? But, but for me, it's like, there's this, the downside of inspiring people is this shame that comes when people don't fulfill their dreams. It's like, it's one thing to inspire someone to go after their dreams and say, this is possible for you. But there's this, um, like, 
it's um, it's not even spoken out loud. It's just like this cultural subconscious kind of thing in this industry of like, if you're not living like Tony Robbins and Gary Vee and like making your own sneaker line, then you haven't made it. And like, then you're not focused enough on your mindset. Like, come hire me. Yeah. And that's just really manipulative, frankly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know that I had, you know, I, we've talked about this before, but sometimes, like I had someone say to me, um, oh, it's kind of similar to what you said. It's like, if you don't, if you don't hire me, then you're sabotaging yourself. Yeah. And when you're in this like kind of vulnerable state, you're like, well, am I sabotaging myself or am I just trying to hear my own voice of what I actually need? And you know, you and I have privately talked about this like extensively over the past <laughs> like, few months, but I mean, in the end, honestly, I feel like that was one of my greatest lessons. Like I can't regret anyone I've worked with. I don't have regrets. Like I've, I've come to peace with everything, but that was one of the biggest things is like, I have to know, I, I believe in the importance of coaching and consulting and like bettering yourself. But I also sure. have made that shift where I believe more in myself and trusting myself. Yeah. And I'm curious. Yeah, and I think it's, it's like, what I came to recently, and this is where I started blowing up. Like this is when everything really took off is when I said, you know what, if I like worst case scenario, like I was literally living in my car. I I couldn't get any worse. I had already failed. Right. I had, I couldn't eat sometimes. And it was funny because I would talk to my coaches that I had hired that I was paying thousands of dollars every month. And I would be like, I can't eat. And they'd be like, Oh, well just choose to be okay with that. <laughs> It's like, um, okay, this isn't good coaching, first off. And second off, where is the like empathy and compassion and understanding for somebody else's situation? Like if somebody was paying me thousands of dollars and said they couldn't eat, I'd be like, here's your money back. Go fill your belly, yeah. right? Like let's discontinue this. Maslow's hierarchy of needs here, right? And so I just feel like the, there's this, um, facade that the coaches have the key to everything and all of your answers and all of your desires are locked within their coaching. But the truth is they don't know anything more than, than you, like mm -hmm. nobody knows, like we all, and, and I come from a background of spirituality, mindfulness, like I've been in therapy since I was 13. It is the best thing in my life. Like this is huge for me. I've been on, you know, done countless spiritual practices. And I think that people helping us give context for our experiences is really valuable and really important. And that that power and that celebrity status that people are given is, um, is misplaced because they don't hold the key to all of our answers. They don't hold the, the key to all of our desires. And that doesn't mean they don't have wisdom, but if you're like, the self-sabotage comes when you hire them when you're not able to, or when you trust them more than you trust yourself, or when you're doing their homework practices rather than working on your own business. That's what I found too, is like, I'm spending all my time doing these assignments from these other coaches that I never actually have time to do my own stuff. So yeah. how is this helping me build a business? It wasn't, but we get caught in this trap of believing that they have all the answers. Yeah. What are some of the mindful practice practices and meditation? Like what are some like tips and tricks and tools that you've used of your own? 
yeah. other people's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I um and and just to say this, like I have been in train I've been trained in Buddhism far longer than I've been in the coaching world and far longer than I've been an entrepreneur. Um, and so I my bachelor's degree is in Indo-Tibetan Buddhism and I'm trained in a Tibetan lineage called Shambhala. Um, and so and I've been practicing, you know, various spiritual uh, lineages and uh, wisdom traditions since I was a teenager. So this is really my realm of expertise, um, both academically and personally. So some of the things that people can do, especially in the context of feeling like I have to make a decision and I'm not sure which way to go, is to like remove yourself as far as like if somebody's pressuring you to do something that you don't necessarily feel right about, which is what you and I have talked extensively about. When you were mentioning, we've talked about this, this is, this is the bulk of the content. It's like, I don't really feel good about this. I'm feeling pressure to do it. I don't know how to say no, yeah. because if I say no, it means that I'm giving up on my dreams. Like that doesn't feel good either. Right. There's this, um, you shared a, a message with me that somebody else wrote about having consent, the yeah. importance of consent in signing up with the coach. And we're so pressured and, and bullied almost manipulated in a way to hire people. <laughs> so if you find oh, yourself in, in one of these situations, like I encourage you to, to spend some time alone, like get by yourself, whether you go for a walk or a hike or get into nature. I am lucky enough to live in the Rocky mountains here in Colorado. So I've got beautiful mountains all around me. Um, but even, you know, like you're in Paris, go for a walk around one of the beautiful ponds there. I did um, that yesterday. How did oh. you know? <laughs> <laughs> because I love Paris and that's what I do when I'm there. Um, so when you're by yourself, there's this moment of like reconnecting with you. And this is where the conflict happens. This is the conflict happens when you're being told something from outside of you and the little small voice inside of you has a different, a different story. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you can just let these external influences go and reconnect with yourself, then you can say, okay, I'm going to listen to me. Now that's the first thing I would suggest. And the, the other thing I would suggest is if your choice and your decision is met with backlash like this is what we've talked about before is like well i said no but then i got pressured into saying yes or if somebody belittles you or tells you you're not going for your dreams or you're self-sabotaging you're giving up whatever if you're criticized for listening to your own inner voice that's a big red flag you should yeah. be really cautious and really aware and this is the hardest part is standing in your truth amidst criticism and this is what brand interrupted is all about, right? Is being authentic and standing in your truth, regardless of what other people are telling you is right or wrong. And, um, if you've really gone within and really gone, gotten still and with yourself, then you can, you, it's like your higher power knows what's best for you. And the times that I haven't listened to myself is when I got in deep shit. And the times I haven't listened to myself is what resulted in me living in my car. When the times I have listened to myself is when, boom, my business exploded. So it's like, regardless of what the industry standard is, yeah. regardless of what we're told, if you just listen to yourself, then your heart and mind knows. So I love that. This kind of brings up the subject of like the art of detachment. Like it's something I've been really interested in lately. And I think of like, even if I'm setting up 
um, a Facebook ad or something. And I'm like, okay, well, it has to be this structure and the stats and the data and all these things. And I'm like, you know what? I just don't care. I'm going to do what feels good. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care about your templates. I don't like, I'm just going to write and show up in the way that feels good and trust that like the right people will, will gravitate towards me. One of the things too, I wanted to point out is that I, I love that you made the shift between like being a a coach and a teacher. Cause I feel like you are so like, I feel like you're God to me. Like you're so wise. <laughs> like, I literally go to you. Like when I'm like, I'm even just like backtracking to what we were talking about a minute ago. Like I was coming to you about this decision and you're like, Brittany, you clearly have already said no. And you were yeah, mirroring really. back to me what I couldn't see myself. Yeah. And I mean, just having you there as like, I don't know, just like this light, just like shine back, like, hello, like, can't you see the truth? And I was just like in my inner drama, obviously, because I wasn't listening to myself. And I just feel like everything you say, you do have so much wisdom, like, and you're so calm and poised and just like level headed, like it. Well, that's what you get after 15 years of Buddhist meditation. <laughs> it's I love it. because that is that point that I'm bringing up is, you know, we, we've got this one particular experience and just to give your listeners context, we were both working with this coach and it was time to re-sign, like sign back up for the next level. We had uh, gone through this program together and the program ended and, um, you were like, well, I wanted to say no, but I keep, every time I talk to her, I keep getting wrangled into saying yes. And so I'm sending her these messages and it's like, you had very clearly said no. And that just wasn't an acceptable answer to her. And so she kept pushing you and pushing you and pushing you. And this is what I'm talking about, right? This, this like, well, if you don't sign up with me, you're self-sabotaging or I don't accept no as an answer or whatever. And those are all sales tactics from like the eighties. I just feel like we should so be beyond this. Like, okay, Wolf of Wall Street, which like, I just feel like it's manipulative um, and exploitive, frankly. And this is yeah. that, that third, that like objective perspective that I was able to offer you. But if mm-hmm. listeners at home don't have, like your, the drama that you were stuck in yeah. was this conflict between what you know you had said you know, you had said no, it was very clear to you. And yet you weren't being heard. You weren't being validated or listened to or accepted as that as your answer. It's like, you know, final answer is no. And that was the conflict there. And so I don't want people to get stuck in the shame or this, like, I keep Mm -hmm. saying no, but then they keep convincing me that I, I, it's just a yes, if they just convince me. And, and that's where the whole consent thing comes in. Um, because when it, you know, when it comes to sexuality and and a woman says, no, some people hear that as convince me. And that's the exact same thing that we're getting. Like that's a common accepted understanding when it comes to sexuality and sexual experiences. But in the coaching industry, people have the same thing. They said no, and they hear it as convince me. Right. And um, that caused a lot of turmoil for you as it did for many people, as it has for many people, I'm sure. Yeah. I, so what, I want to bring this up because I think that, and I know, I know you would agree with this, like in a mutually respected relationship, like it's okay to set boundaries and it's okay to say, I mean, like, let's just, you know, bring up, like we were talking last night about writing this article and like you so clearly set your boundaries with me. And obviously I respected that because I respect you and you respect me. And it was like, it's okay to not agree with each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing to have where it's like, you don't have to get triggered 
by all of these things. But I'm I, like, I want to hear more about, because I think so, this would benefit the listeners. How do you, because for me, I see it like it just seems so easy for you to set boundaries. <laughs> and so like, how, how do you do that? How do you deal with people that are not respecting your boundaries? Well, I'm glad that you brought this up, but I know we're, we're getting close to our time here, so I don't want to dive too much into this, but just it's, imp- it's worthy to bring up and touch on, so I'm glad that you did. And the deal is I grew up in a really chaotic household um, that was defined by violating people's boundaries. My childhood was defined by that. So as an adult, and when I got older, and that certainly led to a lot of uh, struggle and turmoil in my adolescence. Um, and also a lot of negative social feedback when I was just like, oh, we don't violate people's boundaries. That's how I thought the world operated. Um, and so I actually have come from the kind of the opposite extreme and, and what I came to, I got to this place where I recognized that even if I had no family, even if it meant that I had no friends, even if it meant that I was completely isolated and alone for the rest of my life, right? Like I had to swallow the existential loneliness pill. Even if it meant that, even if it meant everyone in the entire world hated me, which is what I believed that I thought was going to happen if I set boundaries, it mm-hmm. still was worth it. It still was important to me to set those boundaries and say, you know what, this is where I stand. And I've had a lot of times where I've set a boundary and I had one a couple years ago that was in coming back from Paris, actually. I went to Paris with a friend or somebody I thought was my friend. And um, they were like verbally abusing me when I came back. And I said, no, you can't talk to me like that. And then they were just like went even further. So what happens is if somebody had, and this is, this is a thing that I think is real important that people get caught on. If you have been in a relationship that has violated your boundaries and all of a sudden you set boundaries, the person who has been violating you will probably come back even harder. They probably will say, oh, you think you can stand up to me? I'll show you. This is what happens. And I've seen it time and time again with my own experiences. And I've seen it time and time again with other people's experiences. And um, I used to teach elementary school. And one of the things that a fellow colleague of mine gave me as a word of advice before the school year started was he said, it's far easier to be stricter with the children at the beginning of the school year and loosen up than to have no rules at the beginning and try and implement them later. And I loved that he taught me that because that's true with boundaries as well. What happens is that people find themselves, you know, in their twenties, thirties, forties, whatever, and they are trying to go from more lenient to more strict with their boundaries. And that's really, really hard to do. So what I would tell people is, Stand in your truth, even if it means losing everything and everyone. Stand in your power. And what you'll find is that maybe at first you lose everyone in your life. And that certainly happened to me. A few years ago, I lost literally all of my friends because I was like, I'm not willing to be belittled and called names and made fun of when we're out in groups. And so then I had no group to be in. And then once you get beyond that, you might lose everything. And then all of your relationships will be from the standard of these are my boundaries. These are my standards. I expect dignity and respect in all my relationships. And, and then you make room for the really positive relationships. And let me tell you, there's 7.5 billion people out in the world or 7.2, whatever. Like there's going to be people who respect you. And it starts with you having to respect yourself first. It's like you teach people, I don't know who said this or coined this, but like you teach people how to treat you. 
And, um, yeah, I would ask you, I know we're, we're going to wrap up here, but would you say that these struggles in your life, do you perceive them as gifts as like pathways that led you to this inner strength? Yeah, you know, we all come in with our own karma. So I've got like a kind of a theological perspective here as a Buddhist that, um, you know, I, I believe in reincarnation and I know mm-hmm. some of my past lives and like I know that I've come in with my own karma. So some of it I think is like I'm what we would call burning off karma, like playing out, living through the karma that I've created in the past. Um, but it also is just, it's your struggles and your challenges are opportunities to awaken to your true nature whether we take those opportunities or not are up to us, right? Like we have free will. This is part of the human experience is free will having choice. And I certainly lived for many years where I had struggle after struggle after struggle and, and didn't, didn't have the wherewithal to wake up to the lesson. And now that I've had experiences where I've gone, okay, let me reflect. Let me do some self-reflection. That is my greatest strength is being able to reflect on experiences and, and learn and adapt and be malleable. So so yeah, I mean, there's gifts in everything, right? Like as yeah. cheesy it is, it, as it is, like find the silver lining, like yeah. there's always something positive. And that, and that mindset is a choice. You know, you don't have to think that way, but if you're willing to um, open up to the opportunities that lie within every struggle, I think you'll find a lot of wisdom there. Yeah. Oh, well, this has been so <laughs> much fun. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Yeah. And we do talk all the time anyway. So yeah. these 40 minutes go by quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, where can, where can we learn more about you, about your work? Where can we listen to your podcast, read your magazine? Yeah. So I have a parent company called Hello Lovely Life and they can, anybody can just visit hellolovelylife.com. And then my subsidiary companies are my um, photography business. I do uh, photography here in Colorado because we have beautiful mountains. I have a uh, podcast called Charming Dharma, and Dharma is spelled D-H-A-R-M-A, Dharma. Uh, So there's a hidden H in there you wouldn't expect. And um, Dharma is a Sanskrit word that simply means truth in the Buddhist tradition. Uh, And so you can find that on iTunes. You can find it on my website, Hello Lovely Life. There's links there, uh, hellolovelylife.com. And then I also have a um, magazine called Basic Goodness Magazine. And the cool thing is that the podcasts in the magazine are partner companies. And so those who are guests on the podcast, uh, because I interview people like you do here, Brittany, also are guest contributors to the magazine. So Brittany has an episode coming up here in October. Her article will be released in the October 2018 magazine depending on when you're listening to this show you can go check it out now it's at hellolovelylife.com and so yeah you can just find me around I'm on Facebook and Instagram under the same names amazing well thank you so much I mean we have like an eight-hour time difference so I really appreciate getting up so early (laughs) yeah it's very early in the morning before work starts and it's evening for you in Paris I was not up at 8 a.m this morning full disclosure (laughs) so I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and uh, always a pleasure well thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brand Interrupted Podcast. I so appreciate you and your time. And to show that appreciation, I want to give you a free gift. Head over to untamedrevolution.com forward slash gift to get instant access to my free three-part Audaciously You on Camera video series, a step-by-step on how to share your story, craft your core message, master your energy, 
infuse your personality, and boost your charisma on camera so you can amplify your impact with video and turn viewers into dream clients. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, don't forget to head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating. Until next time, bisous from Paris. Ciao, ciao.